Well, whenever I do a new members class, I always begin with story, with story. I ask people their, uh, wh- where their faith story is, whether uh, is it at a starting point, is it at a turning point, or is it at a returning point? And then we begin to unpack God's story. Who is God? What is God like? And then we move on to the human story. What are we like as human beings? And then finally, I invite people in the class to think about how their story became drawn into God's story, how their story became incorporated into God's story. What was it about Jesus that drew you in? What was it about being a human being, about being you that led you to where you are now in your faith journey? Our stories matter to God. There is no story that is not significant. And all of our stories need to be told because they all reveal something about God in some way. This has certainly been true for the biblical characters that we've looked at in our Bold and Untold sermon series. While they may be lesser-known characters in the Bible, their stories offer a powerful witness to us. They reveal God and the life of faith in some very important ways. And today we conclude this series by looking at a man we meet in the book of Acts, simply referred to as the Ethiopian eunuch, and how he reveals the power of a God whose saving love reaches to those on the periphery and embraces them and the complexity of their stories. Let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, God, that it would grow us stretch us, transform us, that we might truly live for you and bear fruit for your kingdom. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. A reading this morning from Acts, um, part B to the Gospel of Luke, beginning with verse 26, reading through verse 40. Listen for God's word. An angel from the Lord spoke to Philip. At noon, take the road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he did. Meanwhile, an Ethiopian man was on his way home from Jerusalem where he had come to worship. He was a eunuch and an official responsible for the entire treasury of Candace. Candace is the title given to the Ethiopian queen. He was reading the prophet Isaiah while sitting in his carriage. The spirit told Philip, approach this carriage and stay with it. Running up to the carriage, Philip heard the man reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you really understand what you're reading? The man replied, without someone to guide me, how could I? Then he invited Philip to climb up and sit with him. This was the scripture of, passage of scripture he was reading. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he didn't open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was taken away from him. Who can tell the story of his descendants because his life was taken up from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, about whom does this prophet say this? Is he talking about himself or someone else? Starting with that passage, Philip proclaimed the good news about Jesus to him. As they went down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, water, what would keep me from being baptized? He ordered that the carriage halt. Both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water where Philip baptized him. 
When they came up out of the water, the Lord's spirit suddenly took Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip found himself in Azotus. He traveled through that area, preaching the good news in all the cities until he reached Caesarea. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, Jesus had told his disciples in Acts chapter 1 that they would be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In other words, they would be ambassadors of a gospel, gaining momentum and drawing in all sorts of people into God's embrace along the way. The circle was going to get wider and wider. The Holy Spirit was on the loose, after all. Chapters 2 through halfway through chapter 8 in Acts are about precisely this, are about witnessing in Jerusalem, and then in Judea, then in Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. The apostles preach the good news, people come to faith, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the church is growing. And in fact, just before our story today, Philip, Philip, was in Samaria preaching there to the Samaritans. And many Samaritans came to believe in Jesus. So Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. The Ethiopian eunuch is the story of the gospel beginning to touch the ends of the earth. Luke tells us that Philip, one of Jesus' disciples, was instructed by God to take a desert road leading out of Jerusalem. And he did. And on this road was our Ethiopian, our unnamed Ethiopian eunuch. And the details of his story matter. They're important. Ethiopian was a a descriptor assigned to anyone with dark skin who lived in the region south of Egypt, what what, what we would consider today to be sub-Saharan Africa. He was returning from a pilgrimage to Jerusalem where he had gone to worship. Now, for people living in the Greco-Roman world and even in Palestine, Anything beyond Egypt constituted the ends of the earth. Anything beyond Egypt constituted the ends of the earth. That would be considered, uh, you know, the farthest point of the known world at that point in history. We're also told that he was a, a eunuch who held an important position in the court of the Ethiopian Queen Candace. He took care of all the money, the treasury. And he must have been wealthy because he was riding in a chariot or, or a carriage, depending on which translation you looked at. And he is a eunuch. Now, in the ancient world, a, a eunuch was a neutered male, either by birth or by choice, who served in royal courts. In either case, a eunuch then was someone outside of sexual norms. They did not fit conventional, conventional notions of, of gender either. They were simultaneously men and yet non-men, neither male nor female being essentially sexually ineffectual, right? They were viewed as powerless. And yet, they most often occupied positions close to power because they were deemed as not to be a threat. So to those that they served, they were insiders. But to everybody else, they were outsiders. They were strange. They were different. And this certainly would have been the case within Judaism, too. This was a man, or this man made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, but would not have been allowed in the temple to worship because he was castrated. And Jewish law forbade it. I mean, the Bible clearly says in Deuteronomy 23.1, no one who is emasculated or has, made, who, or has his male organ cut off may enter the assembly of the Lord. So he was on the periphery of a faith that he desperately hoped 
and longed to somehow incorporate him in his story and his identity. You see the little bit of the irony there? This faithful, seeking man who's searching for God and God's purposes more fully has been excluded from the very community whose gifts and resources would have helped him in his quest. In other words, this Ethiopian eunuch was an outsider on the margins of mainstream. He, he represented and embodied the ends of the earth. Everything about him was different and other. His skin color was different. His country of origin was different. His religious identity was different. His sexual and gender identity was different. But none of that stopped him. None of that stopped God either. Something about Israel's God, something about Israel's faith and tradition attracted him. Perhaps that's why he had a, a copy of the scroll of the prophet Isaiah with him traveling. Perhaps he had read in Isaiah more hopeful words about God's plan for people just like him. Like Isaiah 56. Don't let the immigrant who is joined with the Lord say, the Lord will exclude me from the people. And don't let the eunuch say, I'm just a dry tree. The Lord says, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, choose what I desire and remain loyal to my covenant. In my temple and courts, I will give them a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an enduring name that won't be removed. And so on that desert road, in his chariot reading uh, the prophet Isaiah, perhaps he's, he's asking himself, praying to God with longing in his voice, God, I, I, I want to seek you and I want to I belong to this, to this, your people. So, but which is it? Am I in or am I out? God, am I in or am I out? And who is this rejected suffering servant figure who experiences injustice and humiliation? Who, who is that? And then we see God's love catch who it's been chasing and pursuing. Here comes God. And here comes the good news of the gospel to stretch and embrace him precisely in his outsiderness. We see the intersection of this outsider's story with God's ever-expanding story of love. Philip reaches the chariot and he hears this man reading scripture from the, from the prophet Isaiah. Do you understand what you're reading, he asks? And in the most humble and, and, and remarkable demonstrations of having a seeking heart and an open mind and a teachable spirit, the Ethiopian responds, I, I need someone to help me understand. And as they read the, the scripture passage together, the Ethiopian wonders who the passage is talking about. And rather than just answer his question directly, Philip does this amazing storytelling where he begins with that passage of Isaiah that talks about the suffering servant and he and he connects the dots and he tells the story leading up to Jesus, the Christ. And he preaches the gospel. And in the midst of that, that good news proclamation, the Ethiopian eunuch finds his answer. He finds his answer. Jesus loves me and, and died and rose for me that I might be included in God's forever family. God has come for the Ethiopian eunuch precisely in his difference. He matters, period. That's enough. 
his story, everything about him and his identity now belongs to God. He will not be at the margins of God's people, but at the center because he's found himself in Jesus. He's in Jesus and Jesus is in him. What's to keep me from being baptized, he says. In other words, what's to keep me now from belonging? Is that a rhetorical question where the spirit-whispered answer is an emphatic, nothing? Or is that a question meant to stretch Philip's understanding of who God is seeking after now? Of just how wide God's love is. Saying yes to Jesus, being baptized, transcends his difference. His, the, the otherness that had excluded him from fellowship is no longer held against him because of Jesus. The water awaits. You see, this Ethiopian eunuch's bold and untold story is powerful, not just because he literally embodies the stretch and scope of the gospel of Jesus, but because it also stretches those of us who are called to be the ones who proclaim and embody the gospel. God will not wait for us. God's love will not wait for us. God, through the Ethiopian eunuch and people like him, is telling us through their mere existence to run and catch up to what the Spirit is doing. Do you have a chariot to catch up to? I know I do. God will always outrun us in pursuing people we think or we consider to be outsiders. God will always outrun us in pursuing people we consider to be outsiders. And it's our job to pay attention, to stretch our hearts and our minds and our arms a little wider, to catch up to the vastness of the gospel and God's saving and claiming love. We better become radically open to God growing us through people we might not expect. Sometimes seekers or those we presume to be on the outside or different than us have just as much to teach us about God and faith as we do them. And when we engage with them, when we journey with them, when we, uh, when we um, share the road with them, they're often, those are often the moments that God makes that bold and transformative move. Scholar Gloria Ansaldua calls this kind of exchange a borderland moment. A borderland moment. That's what Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch have. It's where people of great difference enter into a new possibility of life together and a new shared identity. And it usually happens at the margin, at the center. It's happened in my life when I've gone on on mission trips like to Nicaragua or to Costa Rica or, or West Virginia, but it's also happened having breakfast with unsheltered persons or being in a divinity school precept with LGBTQ persons. And in every case, it's transformational, <laughs> transformative because of the power of Jesus Christ and the capacity of the gospel. Friends, we should all pray for borderland moments for borderland encounters with someone like the Ethiopian eunuch, someone who will be the means by which God shatters our limited view of God's love, forces us to draw the circle wider, 
expand the boundaries we place on the reach of the gospel. Because the truth is, there have always been and are, even now, people in our world, our culture, our society, who would be deemed outsiders, different, that are on the periphery, gazing longingly and seeking a faith that sometimes seems to exclude, but offers this, at the same time, this tantalizing hope of experiencing love and salvation and belonging. And just like the Ethiopian eunuch, they are looking at the complexity of Scripture, the perplexity of Jesus' followers, and are wondering, so which is it? Am I in or am I out? Am I in or am I out? African slaves wondered and hoped in the midst of the peculiar institution that question. LGBTQ persons wonder and hope to this day. This Ethiopian eunuch story holds a mirror up to us, asking, do we see in people like him freedom in Christ? Stories and identities now belonging to God, even in all of their complexity and difference. Is the, good, is the gospel good news for all people, no exceptions or not? It should not be possible for us to overestimate the gospel. It should not be possible for us to overestimate the gospel. And we should not be paranoid about being more inclusive than God. This bold and untold story ends with pure joy, as it should. When he comes up out of the water, this Ethiopian eunuch goes on his way rejoicing, rejoicing. I matter. I have worth before God. I belong to God's family. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. And now I know that. Friends, will we ensure that many more stories end like this? Will we go to the periphery, the borderlands, and journey with the other to catch up to the unstoppable momentum of the gospel? Will we allow God, through people just like this Ethiopian eunuch and others, to expand our horizons? Even as we invite all to let their story, in all its complexities, find its home, its place in God's story. Their identity made more beautiful in Christ's saving love. Hope so. Hope so. The world is watching. The water is waiting. I have a feeling that we have some chariots to catch up to. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.